Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new holiday edition of my old Kentucky podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and joining me this week is Jasmine Smith. Jasmine, how are you today? I'm doing well, Robert. How are you? I'm doing great. I am so glad that you're here. You're not back, but we are doing a special holiday edition with you. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're recording here at, at noon on Wednesday during our lunch break. Um, you still are in the midst of rehearsals, being Mrs. Fezziwig. Yeah. Uh, and but you know I we we did have some time and with the holidays coming up I, I you know I I asked you if you could and you said yeah so here we are we're talking to Jasmine about everything that's been going on in Kentucky politics we're not going to talk too long it is it is the holidays so we're going to give everybody a, a break um, but I am glad how have you been Jasmine how, you know a lot of stuff has happened since you've gone how how how, how are you feeling I know I've been a little bit out of the loop um, I've been enjoying you know like pursuing the creative things that I like and um, rehearsing's been a whole lot. I rehearse four days a week, usually for like three hours. Um, so I haven't like been able to pay much attention to politics even though that's normally like a big part of my life. Um, I did give, you know, some quotes to the Herald leader right before the election, as did you. Um, so I had to tap back in uh real quick to do that uh but other than that like i've really been out of the game yeah well uh understandable but i did want to let you know that andy Bashir was reelected. i don't know if you heard yeah i did i did know that i heard that <laughs> yeah well i guess the first thing like how was you know i know that you said you've been out of out of things for a bit but like how on election during the election did you feel like it went about as you expected did it go better for Bashir or worse like how how were you feeling on the day after the election Okay, I think the results, just the results of who won and lost themselves went exactly as I expected. I thought that Bashir would win and that all the Republican down-ballot candidates um, would win. I think I think you had a little bit more hope than I did that maybe a, a Democratic down-ballot candidate or two could be um, brought along if the Bashir margins were high enough, but... I never really had that hope. Um, so I think the results were what I thought they were going to be. I, But I did actually think that the Bashir margin could have been closer than it was. I did not think it was going to be the 2019 5,000 vote win. Um, but I, I could have seen it being something like 25,000 or something like that. So the margin was... A little bit bigger than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it. I mean, uh, hope is free, uh, so I, I tend to have more than I need. Yeah, uh, you do. <laughs> that is kind of how I'm it glad, usually works. I'm glad here. someone does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, it. It. it I. I was. Yeah, and uh, you know, everybody kind of knows my my thoughts. Like I was a little disappointed and thought the down ballot folks would do a little better. But yeah, that 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 fits with your take that you know you didn't expect them to do as well, and and Andy Bashir did it a little better than you thought. Um, interesting. I mean, one of the things is we've kind of gone along that I have found kind of interesting is that like Andy Bashir did not expand his margin in Louisville by all that much. I think he just did like about four or five thousand votes better in Louisville while doing, mm-hmm. you know, about fifty five thousand votes better uh, in the whole state. So he really improved his margins in places like 
Western Kentucky, where he still lost but did a lot better. Northern Kentucky continues to get more Democratic. Lexington continues to get more Democratic. And, of course, that area down there in southeastern Kentucky, that really turned out for Andy Bashir. And, and, I mean, one of the things that I guess everybody's been asking about is, like, do you feel like that this could be repeated in the future from another different Democratic nominee? Or is this just specifically an Andy Bashir thing? You know, I don't know. Um it feels a little bit like an Andy Bashir thing, um, but I don't know. Maybe another four years with a Bashir-Coleman administration. Maybe Jacqueline Coleman can like continue to build on the same relationships that he can and like establish herself as a popular Democrat candidate. Um, but I don't know. Part of it does kind of feel like an Andy Bashir thing to me. He has like this way of being compassionate and pretty like normal and fairly progressive, but not seeming like radical or leftist in a way that like upsets more moderate people he has the name recognition like from his dad. I don't know. I think Andy Bashir is kind of like a special candidate in Kentucky. Um, but I'm not saying that another one of those can't come along. I just like, don't know. Like a, who generic, it is at this a generic moment. Democrat couldn't repeat it. It would have to be another special name or another yeah. special person. Maybe not even if it's the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess that transitions nicely into kind of thinking about, you mentioned Jacqueline Coleman, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I think a lot of people are pointing to her right now as like, you know, Andy Bashir is so popular. She's part of the administration. Her name's on the ticket. Um, you know, obviously she's, she's a high possibility uh, the next time around but i mean do you see any other democrats running you know after the election rocky atkins said that he still had gas in the tank uh you know yeah people have tossed around cassie chambers armstrong as a potential candidate in the future i mean what do you feel like uh about kentucky's uh, especially on the democratic pro- uh, sides prospects going into the next election in 2027 um yeah so you You've said the two names that I would say. I, I would say the two main ones to me are Rocky Adkins or Jacqueline Coleman. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jacqueline Coleman has served, it'll be two terms as the lieutenant governor. Um, she's also done a lot in education, which is a incredibly important issue in Kentucky. And we've seen um, public school teachers really like rally to win elections here. Um, So I think Jacqueline Coleman definitely, and I think Rocky Atkins still has a lot of popularity in Eastern Kentucky. And that's where, um, you know, an area that showed up pretty big for Bashir. And if he's got gas left in the tank, uh, that sounds um, like there, there could be something coming from him in the future. And I, I mean, this is just like a name that popped into my head, but if, if someone like Angie Hatton could like get back into the house or something, um, I could see someone like her, like from Eastern Kentucky, like with um, like the passion and like charm that she has, like I could see her being like 
a great candidate. Yeah, I I agree. I don't know if she'll go back to the House, both because she's on the she was nominated and co- took a spot on the a public service commission, which is a nice deal for her. She's able to make a pretty big impact, and also because the seat, the way that it's drawn with a uh, those Southeast Kentucky uh, like the down on the Virginia border uh, counties, is just going to be really hard for a Democrat to win. But yeah, I mean, I think she could run from from where she is and be an interesting candidate moving forward mm-hmm. for, for sure. Um, yeah, so that's the Democratic side. I mean, the Republicans, I mean, w- one of the things that, that Kate Turner and I talked about on the after the election was just kind of how this seems just like a really significant misstep from Daniel Cameron to even run this year. Um, and, and so going forward in 27, do you feel like Daniel Cameron will give it another shot? Or are there other Republicans that you think are going to, I mean, I, I, I also don't really see Kelly Kraft getting back in. Who do you see? as uh, the potential Republicans running on that side in 27. Man, I don't know. I was trying to think about this, and and really the only one... If Daniel Cameron, like, did it again, I don't know why you'd want to put yourself through that. Yeah. It just felt like a, a pretty bad campaign for him. Yeah, it really did. Um, but... The only one that I could maybe see that ran this time around who would do it again is maybe Ryan Quarles. Yeah. Um, you know, he just took a new job as the KCTCS president. Um, but, I mean, I think he... There were times where it seemed like he was kind of like fading away in the race, but he did come in second in the primary. Mm-hmm. And I think he would have had, he won the primary, man, I think he would have been a much more likable candidate and harder to beat. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Michael Adams getting the most votes is another name that's been, been tossed around quite a bit. Yeah. Um, Allison ball, you know, I, yeah, that I was about to say Allison ball, you know, she's now won two terms, um, and one, constitutional officer seat and now won a different one so um she has the name recognition she gets a lot of votes every time i don't know if she wants to be governor like if if she like harder than being the auditor right like i don't know if she like actually wants that job but i don't know like she seems like someone that the republicans could prop up to do that if they wanted to yeah yeah uh I, i agree with you um, all right, now let's talk a little bit about the, the prospects for the future for, you know, for, for a lot of stuff. So first of all, you know, Andy Bashir won uh, re-election in a deep red state, uh, a, a state that hasn't voted for a Democrat on the federal level since 1996, um, you know, a place that voted for Matt Bevin by nine points uh, before he uh, ran and, and beat him. Um, I mean, this is the last time he's probably going to run statewide in Kentucky for, um, you know, a, a, an executive position. Um, but, you know, there are, of course, opportunities for him other places. Like, you know, a lot of people have promoted him as potentially a candidate for Senate, and a lot of people have promoted him for a candidate for, for president. I mean, what do you feel about Andy Bashir's future uh, as we go along in his second term here? Yeah, I mean, I think Andy Bashir could run for president because of the success he's had in a red state as governor. But I also think he could be like Barack Obama after Obama was president and be like, I put in eight years of some really hard work and I'm I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know. I but I mean, if we wanted 
if we wanted a a candidate for a statewide race like the Senate, um, you know, he'd be the one that the only one that could win at the current moment, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's right. Uh, yeah, it, it, it will be interesting. Um, I, I would be like really interested to see how Andy Bashir would fare in a U.S. Senate election. I mean, so much has become so partisan and voters kind of understand the meaning of like, you know, the, the, the conservatives in Kentucky realize that they need to have a Republican in that seat to enact re- conservative policy. But can personality and the amount that they like Andy Bashir overcome that, even if he just kind of becomes a a Democrat in the in the Senate, can he carve out an identity for himself? That would be very interesting if he decides mm-hmm. to take that tact. Yeah, and then also kind of last question about the election. I mean, this is this was an election that, you know, is bad on the down ballot, but good for Andy Bashir. You know, are there any lessons? Is there anything we can see here uh, as we go along for like legislative elections in 2024 for votes in the House and Senate? I mean, do we just expect to see see most of the same voting patterns? You know, Andy Bashir did win 50 seats. Um, you know, in terms of his vote, uh, d- is it is it possible that Democrats might pick up some more seats? Or again, is is Andy Bashir just a just special on that level? Okay, well, that's what I was going to ask you. You're saying that Andy Bashir won fifty House districts. Yeah, he did. And so, if you took if you took those House districts, how do they look with if you laid those over a map of the abortion amendment vote, pretty close. Um, Andy Bashir's, I think Andy Bashir did did better, like across the whole state, right? Like I think he won more districts than Amendment Two, but it was pretty, it was pretty close. And also, like, kind of interestingly, like you know, Andy Andy Bashir lost Bullet County because I feel like it's a little bit more Republican, but mm-hmm. a, a, Amendment 2 won Bullet County. And, yeah. like, and, and like there's a, a couple of counties like that in the central Kentucky, greater Louisville area. Andy Bashir though, did better in southeastern Kentucky. Um, you know, places like, like Bell County, um, you know, places like uh, like Letcher County, then Amendment 2, which I don't think won, won down there. So, like, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. It is a little bit different, but yeah, it is it is kind of similar the way that those two things worked. Yeah, because I kind of feel like the places where Andy Bashir won are certainly the places where we need to focus for 2024 elections, but even more so the places where Andy Bashir won and that amendment failed. Those those should be seats um, where a Democrat can compete, and like there has to be focus there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that is where the focus is. I mean, there's some seats that it, it, the the problem is the down ballot didn't win. That it it won the same 25 seats that the Democrats already have, right? And I, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's tough. But I mean, Andy Bashir was able to win like Jason Nemus's seat by like 10 plus points. But Jason yeah. Nemus is a brand in that seat that that runs really well, much better than you know Daniel Cameron did. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is tough. Um, but there are, yeah. yeah. And I think like, I think moderates put a lot of value in incumbents to like, if someone hasn't like majorly screwed up and people just think they're doing a fine job, they, they tend to think that they like deserve another term. Like, I think a lot of even like moderate 
Democrats felt that way. Like, and yeah. I know Democrats who voted for Michael Adams because they're like, yeah, he worked with Bashir for voting during COVID. Um, and I think he's done a good job. So I'm going to vote. I think he deserves to stay in office. So I'm going to vote for him. So I think people, I think a lot of people really do value incumbency if they feel like they haven't screwed up. Yeah, that's uh, true. I think that's something that like has to be overcome in some of these places yeah. where Republicans have won. Yeah, Republicans managed to pick up a few seats in Louisville after redistricting. Um, you yeah. Know, and, and, um, you know, there was, there was some longer term Democratic incumbents that weren't That's used true. to weren't used to like, you know, you know, having to work as hard for their seat because they were just running for reelection. Um, you know, I, I think that if we can get some good Democrats, uh, the, there are some Republicans who are like really far out of step with their district, especially on the abortion issue. Some of the, the leading people, people leading the charge in the anti-abortion movement in Kentucky are coming out of Louisville. And I feel like those, are, you know, they, they probably reached a little bit further uh, down in those districts. And I do, do think that there will be some con- good candidates running in, in some of those seats. But, yeah, that, that, is, that is the next thing up. Um, all right, Jasmine, the next thing I kind of wanted to get your sense on is the Anthony Piagentini debacle situation uh, where he was found, uh, you know, I guess, is it, I don't know if, what the term is. He was the, the ethics, uh, the, the, the ethics committee basically said he did, he did bad things. I don't know. If yeah, they found, found is that how you say it? They okay. found, I would say like they found six violations yeah they yes they did decide that he had uh conducted six violations um and now the the metro council itself is conducting an interview um he it it requires a supermajority to oust him and the republicans seem united and if that remains the case then he will stay in office that the democrats have to keep all of their votes in a line and have to peel off one republican so with all of that being said i mean do you feel like it's likely or will partisanship kind of kind of rule the day or will like the facts of the case as maybe some some um metro council members learn about them will that make a difference i mean i'd like to say that the facts of the case would make a difference because i mean democrats have ousted democrats in the past Mm -hmm. i mean i think every Every time that someone has been removed from Metro Council, it's been a Democrat. And so Democrats voted to remove them. Um, And there have been Democrats on the committee, the charging committee that initiated removal. Um, But those just like aren't the times that we're living in in politics anymore, um, I feel like. And so um, it's just like more hyper partisan. And so. I don't know, like, what kind of sway Piagentini, like, has, like, with his fellow Republicans, um, but with none of them, like, willing to be on the committee, and it seems like, um, in one article I read, it seemed like Kevin Kramer had some quotes and suggested that Cindy Fowler had like been trying to form the charging committee before he'd even been found guilty. And so it seemed like there was already some animosity like surrounding this. Um, So I don't know. I don't know how the other Republicans feel. Um, I guess my, my gut is that the Republicans may like fall in line on Piagentini's side right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, 
they also could they, they're going to slow walk it i think and if they push it to past the uh 2024 elections democrats might win that super majority back who knows um that that could be something that happens there i mean you i don't know if you have been paying attention to these findings at all jasmine but did anything in the findings surprise you or did you see anything that you thought was like oh my gosh i can't believe this no, I don't think anything surprised me. I I remember saying like I think that he would be found guilty of, of at least some of them, and he was found guilty of six of seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I I saw that I think just this week he appealed them to Jefferson Circuit Court. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also saw that he said like he wants whatever is going to happen with Metro council. He wants them to like go through the process now. Um, or at least that's, that's what he said. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, enough about that guy. Uh, you know, I always bring him up and then I always get tired of talking about him. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> uh, the, the last big issue, I think that's kind of dominated the news since you went on break is, uh, the transportation issue at JCPS coming back with, the. Uh, Bus drivers having a sick out, uh, and, and this week they were like naming the schools uh, that they said were were a problem. Um, you know, uh, have you been following this? And I mean, do, what what impact do you think this issue will have on on JCPS or uh, on city government moving forward? Um, I haven't followed this quite as much, um, but I did see the article where they they named and listed the schools, and I honestly don't really have a problem with them calling the schools out because like, I don't, I don't think a little public scrutiny hurts um, sometimes. And that, and that might encourage those schools to change their process or maybe see what some of the others who aren't having the issues are doing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there is a movement, and I, I mean, you know, one of the metrics that we measure as a community and one of the metrics that JCPS kind of puts out there is the number of kids that get referrals and the number of kids who get suspended and the number of kids that undergo disciplinary situations. Um, and, you know, the, the the I guess, like, incentive is there to make that number look better. Um, but if that underlying discipline issue or the underlying, like, issue with behavior is still there... Like, you know, uh, you can't just you can't just sweep it under the rug and, and expect the kids like the, the people that are that are being measured against these metrics are typically like administrators. Um, and, you know, the, the, they're pushing problems down to the, the, the teachers and the bus drivers and anybody that actually has to deal with children. Um, and, and I mean, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of good research and a lot of good evidence that, like, you know, we should take a better attacked and like a lot of the disciplinary uh kind of methods that we have been using in the past aren't super effective but you can't just do nothing and hope for the best and just make the numbers look better like you have to find a way to give people who deal with children the tools um to to you know do their job whether it's to teach kids in a classroom or drive the bus uh and and, and, you know it's just it's just uh, I think I, I don't know what what it's going to happen here, but but there's all there are some like underlying issues probably stemming from the pandemic and, and maybe just from the society as a whole that are just mm-hmm. going to need to be dealt with. So I, I, yeah. I don't know what the solution is, but it's a, it's a tough one for sure. Yeah. All right, Jasmine, anything else you want to talk about uh, this this holiday week? I don't think so that, you know, that's probably 
what I can handle for now. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we will see you back in a few weeks, Jasmine. Thanks for joining us this this short period of time. And finally, thank goodness, Jasmine, tell the people where they can find out about us. <laughs> they can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. They can like our Facebook page and listen to our show on the podcast app of their choice. We also have a Patreon page where you can support what we're doing for as little as a dollar a month. You can do that at patreon.com slash my old Kentucky podcast. And we have a newsletter you can subscribe to at tinyletter.com slash my old Kentucky newsletter. And last but not least, we're part of the Dimcast network and the Ford Kentucky network. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening and we will see you next week. <laughs>